Good evening, everyone. Daishihan Miller here with episode 102 of Kuden Radio, the podcast for, you know, us, right? Martial arts, self-defense, survival-oriented people. Um, but we also want more than just cool moves. Anyway, uh, so uh, everybody probably already knows what the theme is uh, for this thing. But I um, uh, want to kind of lead off with a quote that Albert Einstein, right? acknowledged as one of the smartest people that's ever lived, at least in the West, right? Uh, he said, you can't solve a problem with the same mind that created it, right? You can't solve a problem with the same mind that created it. And as far as my teachers, right, Hatsumi Sensei, uh, Grandmaster, right, of uh, Bujikan, uh, the nine schools within that and all that, and my Miko teacher, uh, Reverend Jikai, actually at different times in my training with them, uh, both said the same thing. Right. If you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. All right. We'll dive in more of this or more into this uh, as we uh, continue on with uh, today's episode. But uh, let's go ahead and uh, formally get things started. So the big question is this. How are self-defense and success minded people like us, concerned citizens worried about protecting ourselves, our loved ones and the things we care about from the monsters we know exist in the world? How do we train in a way that gives us the skills, knowledge, and understanding we need without becoming paranoid fighters or killers ourselves, and yet still allows us to be the hero protector the world needs us to be? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Jeffrey Miller, and welcome to Kuden Radio, real training for real people in a real world. Okay, and we are back. So uh, what I want to do is uh, I'm going to start off this episode by... Uh, again, formally congratulating one of my guys. He's actually one of my newest students uh, at the academy, uh, Joe. Uh, I'm not going to mention his last name just in case this stuff gets out in the world. And there, there could be potential negative repercussions, not because Joe did a bad thing, uh, but um, there's always bad things that can happen when you take care of a bad guy, right? So anyway, uh, uh, I thought it was last night, but it's actually Saturday night. And if you're on YouTube, there's another video there that I did actually earlier today about this whole thing. Uh, but Joe is uh, yet another one of my uh, close personal students that was able to, I'm going to say unfortunately, because we never wish for anybody to be in situations like this. Um, but uh, yet another one of my students who was able to use uh, his skills, things that he's learned in the, in the academy, uh, to save somebody's life. So Saturday night, uh this is going to air where we, uh, this is March, uh, I'm sorry, April 4th of 2022. So it's a Monday, right? So, uh, day and a half ago, right? Uh, at night about, what do you say? 11, 1130, something like that. Um, he was in bed getting ready to go to sleep, right? And, um, heard a woman screaming and, um, you watch the other video or whatever, but, uh, kudos to Joe. Uh, Joe stepped up. And he truly is one of the warriors um, in warrior concepts. So uh, way to go, Joe. And again, watch that other video, that kind of thing. But um, this really plays to uh, what I'm going to be talking about tonight. Because uh, while I may be mentioning, and again, I know I keep saying night and all that because it's night for me. You may be listening to this at, I don't know, 5.30, 6.30 in the morning because you're listening to it on the on the drive to work. Uh, but either way, right, um, uh, you know, there's, there's this... In the, in the layout and the emails and all that kind of stuff that I went out, kind of letting everybody know what the, what the episode was going to be about, really focused on this idea of being stuck, right? Being stuck in your training, being stuck, uh, I don't know, with problem in a relationship, on the job, whatever, right? 
life in general, just feeling stuck. And um, people can people can uh, uh, kind of, I don't know, everybody's going to translate it the way they want, but they can take it as a just kind of a general thing, right? Uh, but Joe and I just had a chance to talk more about this little incident and, uh, he, he's in a residential area, right? I mean, it happened at a, at a, one of these little, uh, Dunkin' Donuts, right? If, for those of you who live in the area and whatnot, there's one really close to his house. So it's, it's bordering right on a residential area, right? And so he wasn't the only one to hear the scream. He was the only one to respond. Okay. Not just peering out a window, not just you know, uh, whatever. Right. So, um, uh, he went into action, but again, this stuck thing can be being stuck between when to act and when not to act and those kind of things. Right. And, um, uh, Joe's very much like myself where, uh, I don't give any thought to it. Um, I, I've responded to accidents. I've responded to bad situations, those kind of things. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't taught or nurtured this way growing up. As a matter of fact, it was just the opposite, right? Uh, I was taught to not look, don't pay attention, don't stare, uh, don't get involved, you know, those kind of things. Um, but once I went through the process, uh, that this art and these different things that, that, uh, I learned, right? This personal development process and stripped away the crap to get at me, uh, I find that I really am one of those people that are wired to, uh, to go. Right. To go in there and, and do what needs to be done. So uh, and Joe, too. Right. So and I've got several other students that were that way um, all the way back a uh, bunch of years. Right. Probably two decades or more ago, um, 17 year old. Right. That uh, dealt with a knife wielding attacker that came at him and two friends in a parking lot at a mall. Right. And uh, so anyway, a um, bunch of different guys and I'm not taking away from any of my guys that are in law enforcement, military, whatever, that do this stuff on a regular basis. Um, this is just one of those things, you know, where it kind of came up and Joe came in and, um, anyway, so, um, getting stuck, right? So let me go back to that, that Albert Einstein kind of thing, right? Um, you know, you can't solve a problem with the mind that created it, right? Um, uh, an example I give of that is, you know, if, if you took a hammer and broke something, you're not going to use the hammer to fix it, right? That's, that's not the way it works, Right. Okay. There's a whole other process. Same idea, right? And sometimes we don't recognize what it is that we're doing to contribute to uh, the issue, right? Uh, for those of you who uh, are personal students or that are familiar with this mandala concept that we use, right, with these uh, five realms, right? Uh, they're really not just personality types, but they're also, they can be seen as the way that people approach things or why they would do things, right? Okay. So, you know, if we looked at uh, self-defense training, right? And, um, you know, why uh, why somebody may or may not do something, right? You know, from one realm, what we have is, is folks that just, they think they know everything, right? Uh, or any kind of problem solving. It doesn't have to be self-defense. It can be anything, right? Um it's, it's, you know, they think they know everything. They think they've got the answer. No matter how much shit's falling down around them, right? They still cling to the, I'm in control. I've got the answer. And what I have to do is just do this harder or faster or something like that because it's, it's the right answer, right? If everybody else would just get with the program, 
right? And then they would see that I'm right, and then the, the world would be great, right? Uh, well, we know how that works, right? Then there's another realm, right, that's really focused on um, on a whole anger kind of thing, right? It's 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 always everybody else's fault, right? Um, there's just like fire and hell, you know, whatever, right? Um, so it's not about me being right. It's about almost like um, I'm not able to, well, it's not that I'm not able to do anything, right? I'm just... Every, every decision I make is self-centered and, and those kind of things, right? So it's all about my own benefit, regardless of what's going on, regardless of who else is involved, right? Uh, I'm just going to throw a whole bunch of shit around. Um, so I'm not so fixated on the one way, like the previous guy I was talking about, right? The one way that's right. This one is, I'm just going to throw a whole bunch of things around, right? So if that didn't work, I'll throw something else. If that didn't work, I'll throw something else, right? And what it is is just like you go from throwing wood on a fire to throwing gasoline on a fire. Right. So um, it's just different. Right. Uh, there's another person that uh, they they want things, but th there's such a low sense of either self-value or they don't recognize that they have any kind of power or control over their environment. So there's an automatic assumption that there's nothing I can do about it. Okay. Uh, in Mikio, we call this the realm of the hungry spirits, right? Um, it's not about spirits, right? It's about this personality type that wants and wants and wants, but they can't do it for themselves. So unless somebody else gives it to them or takes care of it for them or does it for them, right? So we might say they're the quintessential victim, right? Um, I'm in this condition. I'm in this state. Um, and I want better. I want more. Like when people contact me for training and stuff, right? Um, they lead off the email with, you know, hey, I'm reaching out. I really want to train with you. I love your stuff. Da, 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 da. But here's my condition. And so, you know, I'm poor. I have mo no time. My wife won't let me, right? Uh, my dog died, whatever, right? And so it just becomes this major problem, right? Um, but they're hoping that, you know, I can make, wave a magic wand that I'm going to do everything. I'm going to do it for free. I'm going to do it for just them. I'm going to resurrect their dog. I'm going to, you know, beat their wife into submission. I don't know what it is, right? But but they're looking for me to solve the problem for them so they don't have to because, well, you know, they can't, right? Um, there's this other whole uh, personality type that um, that they're not, they don't have, a, they don't have boundaries, Right. So they're constantly jumping around from this thing to that thing or whatever, whether it's options, solutions, whatever it is, right? Um, and then when a, when a problem hits, they kind of get stuck because they're not grounded in any given thing, right? So it's kind of like the martial artist or the self-defense guy that jumps around from system to system to system to system to system, right? Because they're, they're trying to fill in holes that the other systems had, um, but they don't stick around in any one long enough to get to mastery. They're, they're just, they're trying to create their own thing, maybe kind of, sort of, kind of thing, right? Uh, there's a whole other personality type that is just freaking clueless about what's going on. So by the time they realize that there's a problem, it's already too late, right? I mean, that now there literally is nothing that they can do because they're just not tuned in, right? Um, I have an instructor training program going on right now at the academy, uh, and it's it's quite the accelerated thing. We're, we're jamming a whole bunch of stuff uh, for these phase one guys. Uh, I call them my ICs, instructor candidates, and you'll hear me reference them a couple of times. But um, uh, they uh, 
that they're getting a whole bunch of these things. I mean, their, their training has uh, a leadership component, which we're going through personal development things. It has a teaching component, and then it also has an academy management component so they can, you know, do more just show up, teach some moves, and go home kind of thing, right? So um, uh, some of these things are coming uh, from there, right? But when they applied to be a part of the program, right, the application had a question, right? Uh, lots of questions. It was, what was it, James, two and a half, three pages, something like that, right? A bunch of stuff, right? So uh, anyway, one of those questions was, what type of person are you, okay? Are you someone who makes things happen? Are you someone who helps to make things happen? Are you someone who, uh, um, what was another one? Uh, doesn't know what's happening, right? Uh, and then there was another one. Do, do you, are you the person who, uh, I, don't, I don't remember what the other one. James, you're on. What, what was the other one? Do you remember? Should have written this down. I'm going to pop him up. Look at that. He looks all studious with his, uh, with his, uh, his books and stuff behind. Do you remember what the, what the third, third thing was? It was what makes things happen, watches things happen. That's it. Watches things happen. That's it. Makes things happen, helps to make thing ha things happen, watches what's happening, right? Uh, or doesn't know what's happening, right? Now, I didn't put this this extra one on, right? Um, because I, I was kind of pointless, right? Uh, there are people who don't know, don't want to know what's happening, right? Don't tell me, la 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 la, right? Uh, so that kind of thing, right? Um, but I needed to know, right? Because I'm I'm inviting people to get into a training program to become instructors or assistant instructor staff at the academy. So I need people that either make things happen or want to help make things happen, right? Um, and that'll help me determine as I open other academies and things like that, who's, who's qualified to go into certain positions. But very, very quickly, right? Um, and I haven't found anybody yet who lied on the application, right? But very, very quickly, once pressure starts being applied, I, anybody that knows what they're looking at will very, very quickly know whether somebody lied about being, being somebody who makes things happen or... Uh, helps to make things happen or whatever, right? Um, uh, or, you know, just or, or just wants to be a hanger-on, right? They're afraid they're going to miss something. So, uh, you know, so they join the group hoping they get by because they just they want to be a part of it, but they're lazy or whatever, okay? I know we're not supposed to call people names these days, but you're not really name-calling if you're, uh, if you're tagging somebody with something that they are, right? It's identification, not uh, name-calling. Right. So anyway, um, anyway, with the, with the instructors, uh, uh, will I get to this? Yeah, I think so. Right. So um, I'm going to come back to the ICs in a minute. But uh, something that came up in uh, the class, uh, the, the actual martial arts class that we had tonight that I was covering with folks, um, I posed a question at the end of class. Right. And the question was, What's the real purpose of having a mentor or a teacher or a coach, right? Beyond them teaching you new things, right? Beyond them teaching you, let's say we're talking martial arts or self-defense here, right? So what's the real purpose of having a mentor or a teacher or a coach or whatever beyond them teaching you some cool moves that you signed up to learn? 
Because right? anybody can teach that stuff, right? I mean, you can bring up videos. Right? So what's the purpose? Okay. Um, again, this is beyond learning skills. Okay. Again, the, the instructor trainees, um, the instructor candidates went through. I guess they're instructor trainees now, right? But calling them IT makes it sound like they're like going to come and fix my computer or something, right? So, so anyway, right? Um, uh, they also uh, had a breakdown based on how we're defining things, right? Uh, the difference between a teacher, uh, an instructor, and a coach, right? So we can be very, very clear. We have positions for all three at the academy, but there's, there's a mindset difference and there's a, there's a purpose difference, right? Um, and it also speaks to the, uh, the person's uh, ability, right? The coach is typically somebody that can help people that are already decent at something get better, right? Um, an instructor is somebody who's really just conveying information, right? And when we say martial arts instructor, that really does define I would say 90 to 95% of the uh, teachers, or there's not a good word now for it, right? The instructors in martial arts that I've encountered, right? They learn this stuff, they're teaching this stuff. Jane, is, is, your, is your percentage different? No. They learn stuff and they're just regurgitating that stuff and uh, they learn step, yes, by step, step by step, right? That's been my experience. Yeah, and then I mean, there's a, probably a good good chunk of them fall into the uh, into the realm of coaches as well, where uh, and you can tell because they put their attention on the people that are already they either pick it up quickly or they're already good at it, and then what ends up happening is people that need more help tend to fall away because they're not getting it right, or they're being told, yeah, you just need to, you need to get this right, um, that kind of thing, and then when those people quit, right, then that instructor, coach, right, blames it on the student. They're not committed enough. They're not serious enough. They're not whatever. When in reality, um, what you were really doing was putting your attention on um, people that are already decent, right? And so you're just helping them get better. Or the instructor, right, they don't know how to take somebody from where they are to the best possible them they can be based on them they're just regurgitating things based on a checklist or whatever, right? That's the instructor, right? So, but either way, right? Um, but a teacher, as we're defining it, right? A teacher is somebody who can take a student, no matter where they're starting, right? And get them to uh, a place where they're, you know, they're, they're firing on all cylinders for them, right? Now that student may not ever be as good as or better than that teacher or as good as or better than the top guys in a school or whatever. But it's about them reaching their potential, not being some carbon copy of somebody else. Right. So, uh, so, you know, they've gone through these different, these different things. Right. But um, here are these two things, right. That I shared with, with people in, in class tonight, that is what I found is kind of the real purpose, right. Behind again, having a mentor, having a coach or whatever. One is getting the student, right? Getting the disciple, whatever you want to call it, right? Getting the, the, the mentee where they want to be faster. Probably faster than the teacher took to get there. Not because they were, they were dumber or whatever, but because they went through this, this series and system and all that for themselves. 
But the more they teach and the longer they teach, as long as they're not regurgitating the same things the same way, right? And they're growing and they're still studying, what they find are shortcuts. They find, uh, you know, they, they start learning other things outside of the step-by-step -step moves on the scrolls, right? Uh, like myself, I, I went and studied uh, neuro-linguistic programming. I studied psychology. I studied uh, how people learn and process, right? Four different learning styles, minimum, different personality types, uh, communication methods based on people's reference points and anchor points within their own life and experience, right? So if I can use those things, I can get that person someplace faster because I'm not always saying it the same way. And I can speed, I can help to speed up the process for them, right? And especially in the realm of self-defense or even success, right? We don't have a decade to get to where we might be able to do it. Hell, we might not even have six months or a year before something happens, right? For those of you that know the story wrapped around Joe, um, Joe has been with me the least amount of time of all of my students who ended up having to use their skills to either protect themselves or save somebody else, okay? And actually, Joe's way ahead of the curve when it comes to protecting somebody else, okay? Joe started in my academy on February 8th of 2022. We're in 2022 now, right? So, and I'm only saying that because other people are going to be listening or recording, right? So February 8th, right? It's, it's April 4th. And February is a short month by two, three days, depending on how you count 30 or 31 days, right? So in the video that I put out uh, earlier today about this, I said he's four days short of a of two months, but the reality is he's like, uh, like what, six, seven, so about a week short of being two full months in training. So he's only been training with me for seven weeks, right? And he was able to apply this stuff very, very quickly, right? So uh, cool stuff, right? So we don't have that kind of time. So it's in my best interest as the instructor to speed things up. And regardless of whether we're, I'm talking about training you guys or I know some folks that are on are managers or they're business owners or whatever, right? Um, in my other guys is a superhero, right? Uh, I'm a corporate workplace violence consultant, right? And it's, it's not, not fashionable in the consulting world, right? To string out a, uh, an assignment, right? Cause that's the longer that a paycheck comes in and all that stuff, right? But I find that highly unethical because it's in my best interest and the client's best interest to get things set up and operating and, and everybody trained as absolutely quick, as, as quickly, as, as quick as possible, right? Not like throwing a band-aid program, right? Or a band-aid on things like, uh, today's, uh, Thursday, you're all graduates of Thursday's class at uh, three o'clock, right? Congratulations. You've had uh, a 20 minute block of instruction, right? So we need to make it happen as quickly as possible. The other real reason for a mentor is in giving the student, um, uh, insta insights, perspective, uh, options, and things like that, that they never thought of, right? Things that are outside of their realm of knowledge, experience, um, and those kind of things, right? And, and here's the thing, right? When we feel stuck, when anybody feels stuck, and I don't care if it's in training, uh, again, life, job, career, uh, relationship, parenting, whatever. When we feel stuck, what we tend to feel like is, I have tried everything. I've literally tried, and we'll use terms like that, right? I, I've literally tried anything and nothing is working, right? 
But what we really mean is I've tried everything I can think of. I've tried everything that I'm willing to do. That's a different story, right? I've tried everything that I know to do, right? Or that whatever, right? And nothing's worked, okay? And it's true. We have tried everything, right? But ego stops us at, right? I, I know everything, right? Or uh, this is what everybody else is doing. So here it is, right? But there's other things that could be going on, right? If well, We can only see things that we can recognize. We can only see things that we know are going on. Okay? Um, I have one student, and I don't know if she's on tonight or not, uh, Arissa. She says this. She just said it tonight in class. She didn't say it all the time, but she said tonight in class. And other people have said it uh, along the way, right? Um, uh, I was having a hard time getting my head wrapped around this thing. And, like, I, I kept trying to sort it out. And, like, it wasn't working. And I, I, I knew I should have asked for help, but... I didn't bring my family. I would have gotten there faster and, and had the solution faster if I would have just, if I just admitted that I, I didn't, couldn't get my head wrapped around it. I need help and whatever, right? So again, people resist finding uh, an instructor. They resist finding a mentor, right? Um, and, and one of those things is we believe that we believe that we're smart enough, right? And it's not that we're not, right? We are, right? But how are we applying that, that intelligence? How are we applying, uh, applying that knowledge? Okay. So here's, here's what I've done throughout my life. Right. And then like I folded and went and went to the instructor and, uh, paid for the services or I, I hired a coach or a mentor or whatever. And I still have them. Right. But I looked at the, you know, I looked at the price tag for the training and stuff and, oh, well, I, okay. I, I can do that myself. Right. So what I would do is I would, uh, sign up for a program or I would, you know, I, what people tend to do, I, I don't do this, but what, what a lot of people do before they come to me and then they admit that they've just, you know, they, they, they got confused because they jumped around through a whole bunch of um, YouTube videos, right? Trying to learn it that way because, you know, it's, it's all free, right? Why well, pay for a program uh, when I can get it for free? Well, I don't know. Insights, structure, uh, review, having yourself assessed by somebody who knows what they're looking at. All those kind of things, right? Uh, especially structure, right? What do I learn now? What comes next? All those kind of things, right? But either way, right? But uh, what I've done is signed up for programs or I've read books or whatever, right? And so then I tried to follow that logic and now online with the internet, I'll sign up for something, uh, you know, it's free or $27 ebook or whatever, and then get emails from people and see how they're doing things and whatever. Um, and, uh, Still, like I'm hitting a wall, right? I'm hitting a wall. But really, what's happening is, is what I call the iceberg effect, right? Does everybody understand how an iceberg works kind of thing? Not, not how it is made, right? Uh, you know, like the Titanic, right? Hit an iceberg, right? But the Titanic didn't hit the iceberg, the part of the iceberg that it could see. Okay. So if you, if you've ever seen, and you could Google this and you have Google images, right? Uh, iceberg, right? So what I was following and what I was trying to learn from was the part of the iceberg that you can see sticking out of the ocean, right? So here's this thing, right? So I'm trying to get my head wrapped around all of this stuff, but what I can see and what I need the coach or the mentor or whatever to help me with 
is that big frickin' chunk that's underneath the ocean. And what is it? Like only 20% of an iceberg is actually sticking out of the ocean, something like that, right? No more than a quarter to a third, right? You've got way more beneath the surface. And that's what, that's what a mentor does. That's what a, that's what a coach is for, right? Unless, again, unless there's somebody that just learns something and then from an ego standpoint, right? Wants to learn you something. Like, I know some moves. I'll show you some moves, right? Well, freaking great, right? So, uh, but anyway, so that was the discussion topic, right? What, what are they really there for, right? Um, because do you really need to pay what some coaches, me included, right? Charge for training, not coaches, but you know what I mean? Mentors or I guess when I'm doing life coaching, that kind of thing, right? Um, when you can just go to YouTube or Vimeo or whatever, it's free, right? Um, no, not if you're just trying to like learn some monkey moves, right? But if you need to apply those monkey moves, right? Uh, against a killer that you put yourself between, who's trying to hack up his girlfriend with a knife, which is where Joe found himself, right? Um, you might want to know a little bit more than just how to do an Ichimonji or some other Kamai or how to, you know, how to recite a certain phrase that's supposed to make bad guys, you know, wet themselves and go away or whatever. Right. Okay. So anyway, so there's, there's all these little things, right? So again, let's go back to this instructor training program, um, that that these guys are going through guys, guys, girls, right. They're all guys in the, in the dojo, right. And they're okay with it. So, but anyway, um, in, in the instructor training program, um, I'm not sure if I mentioned this before or not, but there's three core pieces to every training session, right? We've got about an hour and a half training session. So there's uh, leadership, right? It's personal development. There's uh, a coaching or a, a teaching topic, right? So they've learned things like uh, uh, the PCP method. No, not drugs, right? Uh, PCP means praise, correct praise. And it's a psychological way of helping people to learn something and get corrective and, and constructive criticism without defense mechanisms going up and then them getting in their own way, right? Uh, the uh, DCR uh, presentation format, right? Uh, which is how to structure something so that you can get things across in a logical way that works with the human brain's processing for things, right? So that it's not all jumps around, it's not all chaotic, and all, it's all, the, all these things, right? And then again, there's academy, um, uh, academy management kind of things because uh, they're not just showing up like they're showing up the why teaching some moves and going home right they're they're becoming actual staff members in either the current dojo which was will be homebu right uh, and or these other ones that are that are going to be opening up here this year right so uh, so there's that right. But a recent topic that just came up, and I can't remember if it was last week or the week before, James can keep me straight on this stuff. Um, one of the topics was what we're talking about tonight, right? The difference between a solution-oriented person and a problem-oriented person. Okay? And the reality is that you can hear, right? If you If you take the time to listen, you can hear what type of person someone is, including ourselves, right? When a problem pops up, if you listen to how they describe it, especially in the beginning, right? Before ego gets a chance to jump in there and 
convince everybody else or convince myself that I'm really one type of person than I am another type of person, right? Because our life is, our life is the litmus test, right? Our life is the constant feedback as to how well our program is working, right? Uh, I have one mentor that I'm following now that, um, he, he's constantly asking people, right? Yeah, I've done this and this is what, this is what I and these other people that have succeeded in the program, what they produced, right? How's your program working for you? Right. And I know that's not nice, but it's not about being nice. Okay. That's the hard truth and the kick in the ass part of compassion. The mentor wants people to do well. And sometimes you need to kick them out of their delirium that they think they freaking know everything. Right. So, um, because if you really did, you wouldn't be seeking out a coach or a mentor or a teacher because you'd already have your shit together. Right. So anyway, um, so one of the things that, that folks had to do and the way I normally set things up is I'll break them up into groups and then they have to discuss, right? What's one person like when we think about that kind of person, right? So you can think about that, right? What do you think of when you think of someone who's a solution oriented person, right? Do they not think about problems? Well, of course they think about problems, right? Um, but where do they go instantly as soon as a problem pops up in their head, right? As opposed to a problem oriented person. There's a problem for both people, right? And I'm not a big fan of these freaking woo-woo uh, corporate uh, fuzz bunny kind of uh, training things. It's not a problem. It's an opportunity. Kiss my ass. A problem's a problem, right? It's what. It's not that problems don't pop up. What are you doing with it, right? Where do you go, okay? Because I'm here to tell you that for me and a bunch of my peers that are law enforcement, security, ex-military, whatever, okay? We deal with problems very differently than we deal with opportunities. Okay? It's a challenge. No. The challenge is, here's a new weapon. Figure out where the safeties are and stuff like that and operate it as quickly as you did the one you're familiar with. That's a challenge. Okay? A problem? It's the weapon you just gave me has a broken firing pin. And I need to figure that out. Okay? So, Two completely different things. So just because we're going to substitute one thing, a nice sounding word for something else, doesn't change anything, right? And I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to get people to switch from a problem, a problem oriented person to a solution oriented person, but calling a problem an opportunity or a challenge doesn't do that. Okay. It doesn't do anything about changing their mentality going forward because when the problem is a shit hit the fan problem, right? They're, they're going to be them. Okay. And I was taught to be a problem oriented person growing up, right? Not necessarily in words, but again, um, you know, how to deal with it. Don't look, don't get involved, right? Mind your own business, those kind of things, right? That's not, that's not solution oriented, right? Okay. And sometimes that's what we need. We need more problems to deal with so we can practice solving problems. It's kind of like with our postures, right? We've got a couple of these, these defensive postures, right? We're really, really low in the legs. And students come to me on a regular basis and they're like, Sensei, like, what's the best exercise to make my legs stronger so that I can do the postures, right? I don't know if you can see the lower corner of my screen there, or your screen, right? James is smiling and nodding, right? Okay. Cause they're, what they want to know is like, when I go to the gym, right? What, what, what kind of leg exercises and stuff can I do, right? James, what's the answer? 
that you want to improve on. Uh, you're bouncing all over the place. You're... <laughs> Say it again. <clears throat> do that thing that you want to improve on. So if it's a deeper posture, then do that posture deeper. Do that more often. There's no single exercise that will work the same muscle groups the same way to the same extent as doing the freaking posture more. But everybody wants a shortcut because they don't want to do the posture because doing the posture hurts. Right, so they're looking. They're they're hoping that I give them a solution that they can do, that they're willing to do, that doesn't hurt the same, but it will produce the same results. Except that the hurting the same causes the body, the muscle tissue, to break down and forces the body to grow the muscle tissue back in a way that it can do that easier. So I was looking at them and go, do that more. Yeah, yeah but 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 that hurts. Yeah, I know. Do you want it to stop? Yeah, we'll do that more. Well, how long? Well, do it until it doesn't hurt anymore because then your legs are strong enough to carry your damn body around. Either that or right now shrink your body by 50%, your torso by 50% or your head size and weight by 50%. You can't do it, right? But yeah, shrink that without your leg muscles atrophying and that's shrinking too. Anyway, so but what people are looking for is a damn shortcut, right? Because they're a problem-oriented person. Okay. Gas prices go up. Problem-oriented people immediately focus on the fact that it went up. It's somebody else's fault. I don't have enough money to afford gas. Where the solution-oriented person looks at it and goes, shit, gas is up. I guess I need to figure out how to make some more money. Right? Problem-oriented people, they hear that, right? Maybe the teacher says, well, how are you going to make more money? Right? Well, I, well, I can't. I mean, my job only allows for so much, and there's no overtime right now. And it, that's not what I ask. I didn't ask anything about your damn job, current job, overtime, or anything like that. The question was, how are you going to make more money? Right? You have anything laying around your freaking house that's been laying around for years that you could put up online in these freaking online yard sale pages on Facebook, or that you could throw out in your yard and have a yard sale or whatever, and make some extra freaking money, uh, whatever. Right? I promise you, when you run out of all that stuff, right, go to your brothers and sisters and other family members and gather up their shit that they're not getting rid of and sell that too, okay? They'll be glad that you cleaned up the damn house. Who said you had to give them a cut of anything, right? And they go, well, how much are you going to give me when you sell my stuff? I don't know. How much are you going to give me for cleaning your damn house? So, but again, where's the solution, right? Um you know, so again, solution problem, right? We're, we're supposed to be training for self-defense and survival, right? The ninja, by their very nature, were solution-based people. They worked alone. They were hired out to other groups or whatever. There's no backup. There's no hoping somebody comes to your rescue. There's none of that. But people still want to master this martial art that requires somebody to be responsible, right? A, a super achiever. Uh, and they want to be, uh, or not they want to be, um, they're a problem solver. They're a solution-oriented person. They're, you know, a puzzle solver, whatever you want to call it, right? They're all these things, but they want to be that while still being a, a whiner or a problem-oriented uh, person or whatever. It makes no sense to me. But... They were also raised in a, in a, in a society where the social safety net has taught people that I don't have to want to do it. I don't have to like to do it, 
but nobody's going to let me die, so somebody will always step in and do things. Okay, interesting. Right. I keep looking over at this little notebook and stuff because I jotted out some notes because I wanted to forget anything. But um, so again, problem oriented versus solution oriented. Uh, you can hear right people. So one of the one of the suggestions is don't when when somebody asks the question right when you give the answer like we always know right we 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 know whether we're bullshitting or not right. If you ever get to a point where you believe your own lies, like they're not lies anymore, you actually believe that. Um, that, that's a problem. That's a problem you can't come back from. Okay. But what we want to, we want to, we want to recognize is that lump in the throat or that, that weird feeling that we get because we know, but we're still, we're still telling the story, right? The other thing we want to take a look, we want to do is listen, right? When a problem pops up, we want to catch ourselves, right? What are we, what are we saying about it? Okay. What are we saying about it? Somebody offers you a solution for, you know, it's amazing to me how many people um, ask for advice, but when some of them, someone gives them advice that is uncomfortable, what pops out is, yeah, but the problem is, yeah, but you don't understand. Th- those kind of things, right? Um, because it's a deflection, right? Um, no, there's no, there, there's no problem, right? The problem is, the problem is <laughs> for problem oriented people is they're not, they don't know what to do or they are not willing to do it or uh, they don't want to take the time or go through the discomfort that's going to be required, right? They might have to do more, okay? So, can't help you, right? When somebody comes to me and they want me to be their their teacher or whatever, right? If someone is not willing to do the work, if they physically can't do whatever, right? And if they're honest, I mean, if, they, if what they're telling me is true, right? I don't have any money. Uh, my wife won't let me. Uh, I, my work hours don't allow me to train. Or what, then why the hell are you asking me to help you with something that you obviously cannot do? I can't do it for you. I'm not going to hire a surrogate to learn, and then we're going to somehow, what, bang your heads together, and the information and knowledge will transfer across the cranial divide. Um, just, right? So, but anyway, right? Um, but we can hear it, right? As soon as somebody says, as soon as a problem pops up and somebody says, oh, you know, and, and they might, the first words out of their might, mouth might be, oh, that's a problem, right? Or they might define that thing. But a solution-oriented person is automatically going to start thinking about how do I fix this, okay? When I was stationed in what was then West Germany, and the guy that I chose to be my teacher, because there were only three people in the damn Western world teaching this art, right, was in Germantown, Ohio, which is on the outskirts of Dayton, Ohio, right? Half a damn planet away, luckily same hemisphere, right, or I I might have really started to complain, right? Um, no internet, nothing like that, because I'm old, right? Um, if that were if that were the the case, we would be having this conversation, right? But my thing wasn't. Um, I have a family that's living there with me. I have limited time available to me to get off, right? Um, because I'm in the United States Army. 
people outrank me and can say no at the drop of a hat, all kinds of things, right? Um, limited funds because of my rank and again, having to support a family and all that kind of stuff, right? And how I, I had tons of excuses, right? But that wasn't, that, that wasn't, that wasn't how I focused. My focus was, okay, how do I make this happen? Okay. Start looking around for things. Hmm. Now I'm not suggesting that you do this unless it's an option, an acceptable option to you. So don't go do it, screw around and then blame sensei because he said, right? Uh, I found a place that loaned, uh, loaned, uh, short-term loans to service members and automatically deducted from our paychecks. So I did that three times a year to go to three seminars a year because the little bit at a time per month coming out of my paycheck, I was going to pay, the, I was going to spend the money anyway, but it moved it up front. Now I do things like that with coaches and mentors, uh, like on a credit card, because I'm going to pay off the credit card anyway, right? In 30 days to whatever time I have, right? But, but see, that's called an investment and not an expense. Because again, problem-oriented people see how much things cost, not what the cost to value differential is. What am I getting in return, right? They just see that they're buying something, right? Okay. And I make a huge difference between investing, which I get a return on, and an expense, which means I paid for it and then it's gone, okay? Just cost me something, right? Uh, like my grandson's toys, right? Um, sorry, it's an expense, right? First couple of times around, uh, you could stretch it to an investment because he'll be happy. But you know what? At two years old, I could ball up tinfoil and throw it in the, in, in the uh, you know, around the, the, uh, uh, the play area with him and stuff. And he's going to see it as a ball and you know, we're going to play and whatever. Same thing with cat toys and dog toys and all that kind of stuff, right? It is what it is. Anyway, so the question that we really need to ask before is, you know, which one, which one are we, right? Which one are we? Are we problem oriented or are we solution oriented? Because we're going to have a hell of a time and we're going to make, we're going to make, um, uh, improvements in tiny, tiny increments if we're problem oriented, right? If we want to make quantum leaps, if we want to make things happen faster, if we want those benefits and all that as quickly as possible and all that, right? Then we, we have to be solution oriented, right? We have to, we have to, uh, focus on things like leverage, right? How do I leverage my time? How do I leverage the money I have? How do I leverage, um, uh, things within my relationship, right? One of the things I did and still do, right? Cause as soon as Japan opens back up again, which they're, uh, uh the guesstimation at the moment is May, right? Uh, I'm going to put a, a two-week trip to Japan for students who want to go uh, on in the spring of 2023, right? So uh, what I what I got really really good at doing was in setting things up so it was a win-win, right? The wife is not going to see me for two weeks. We'll talk on the phone and things like that, but she's not going to see me for two weeks. So what I'm going to do is put in balancing things. So there's going to be a weekend or two getaway. There's going to be a week vacation that she and I are going to take either right before it or right after it, that kind of thing, right? So it balances things out, right? 
or if she wants to go do something or whatever, right? Have a good time, right? Um, because it has to balance out, right? Um, uh, Shrey Sensei, the, the master instructor that I've always trained with, that his, his primary focus is on balance. It's not just body. It's also life, right? He's, he says this all the time, right? Because his wife hates the fact that he trains. Absolutely hates it. And here's how he describes it. I said, you know, does she like that you train? He goes, <laughs> so, but what he'll do is he'll, you know, buys, buys gifts and stuff like that. And he'll do things. And then he'll look, you know, look at a student and say, good balance do, good situation make, right? And that's just the way it works, right? So it's not an either or. It's not a one or a zero for my computer programmer-oriented people, right? It takes some figuring out, right? And if we don't know, part of something that solution-oriented people do is they reach out to people that, that have done it, that know, that have experience in that area. Problem-oriented people just run around and ask everybody for advice if they do it at all, right? They don't ask people who have already or are already producing the results that they want because, I don't know, they might see if there's too much of a divide, whatever it is, right? That might cost me. Uh, why would they spend time with me? See, I'm going back around those personality types again, right? Um, or I already know, I'll figure it out for myself, right? Or I don't know, but I'll figure it out for myself. Great. And you might, right? Might take you three years, might take you six months, whatever, okay? Um, I, I have people that contact me on a regular basis that I've been trying to start training or I've been trying to get back into training for the last 10 years. Can you help me out? I don't know. Are you willing to do stuff that you haven't done before? Because if you're not, if you're going to just continue to do what you've always done, I'm not here to take your money. So, oh, good. You'll teach me for free. Nope. Didn't do that. Didn't say that. Okay. Because um, the, the reality, too, is that most people aren't willing to spend well over a quarter million dollars uh, over the course of what? That's probably way over that because I last time I did my math and it came out at a hundred grand with travel and expenses and all that kind of stuff was in 1985, <laughs> six, something like that. So we're probably, probably in the half million or higher range, uh, kind of thing, right? Uh, pe most people aren't willing to do that because most people aren't willing to back up and go, how you, how do you make more time? How do you make more money? How do you do the things necessary, right, to get there, right? But martial arts aside, right, what else do we want to do, right? Okay. Problem-oriented people always come up with reasons that they can't or when they know that they should, they let the feeling of anguish because they'd have to do something that's not comfortable and they really don't want to have to do. They let that lead instead of just bucking up and doing it, right? If the solution requires that this thing happens, then no amount of wishing, praying, or hoping is going to change that. Well, there's always luck, right? Because... You know, it's kind of like wanting a million dollars, 
right? If I want a million dollars, I have to do one of two things. I have to figure out how to make a million dollars. Oh, and by the way, if you're, uh, you know, still working and you've made, what is it? I think the, the number was uh, an average of eight to $10 an hour, something like that. It's not a really high number, right? You work for 40 hours, or 40 hours a week for 40, for 40 years, all the way up to retirement kind of thing, right? Um, you will have made a million dollars. Doesn't mean you kept it, right? But you will have made a million dollars, okay? The people that everybody's resentful of are the ones who figure out how to make it in a more compressed amount of time. They want to be that person, but since they can't or won't, then it's just easier to hate that person, right? So, because they had to be, you know, some kind of scroll for whatever, right? But I, I need to figure out how to make it, right? Or my other option is to um, have an Aunt Minnie that will will me a million dollars when she dies. Problem with that, see, there's that problem solution kind of thing, right? The problem with the problem is that if you don't have a rich Aunt Minnie who's going to will you a will you million dollars when she dies, then that's not really an option, is it? Right? So, but solution-oriented people are always moving forward. And they're the ones that change the world anyway, right? Even if it's just their little corner of the world. They're the ones that make the changes. They're the ones that everybody remembers. Well, sometimes, right? <laughs> Bastard, you know, the money. You wouldn't give me any for free. You made me work for it. Oh, hell of hell. Anyway, all right, so, but, um, the, and again, these were things that teachers passed on to me, and I was stupid, right? I, I took them at their word and actually did it. So um, if you want to be, if you want to, if you know that in your heart, right, you know, you're being honest with yourself, you know it's your problem-oriented, you need to get the solution-oriented, or you have, you tend to be solution-oriented more often than you are problem-oriented, because it depends on what, what it is, right? Either way, right? I need to catch myself. You need to catch yourself, right? I can't do it for you. Right? Unless you like to tell somebody else that's really good at finding other people's faults, right? Find one of them and go, hey, every time you hear me say something that points to a problem or any kind of thing, point it out. They'll piss you off really, really quickly because they can't wait to point out when you're doing it, right? But either way, you have to... It has to be identified. So either you catch yourself doing it or a friend catches you doing it. I don't care how it happens. You have to catch yourself doing it. And then when you catch yourself doing it, then you can go out of your way to switch gears and go, oh, I don't want to be that kind of person. Okay, so how can I solve this? What are the, some, some of the things that I can do, right? You start doing Google searches. You start whatever, right? You do some research. Go find mentors, whatever, to help you out with it. So that's a place to start, right? But the biggest thing that's going to do it, kind of like that come on, getting the muscles and the legs stronger and all that, right? And that really does work, right? Just do the come on more often and deeper, right? So that the muscles grow. Um, and I know that because some of my guys like Drew and some of the, some of the other guys that go to the gym on a regular basis um, have cut out their leg days because <laughs> training hurts, right? Unless you are trying to move around like you're 90, right? Or 80 or whatever, like the senior master teachers that move around and she's in that have been doing it for decades longer than you have, but you want to cut, you want to shortcut the uh, the process and not go through the same things they did. So you just go do your thing, right? Uh, you're just trying to copy them. But again, you're, what you're copying is the tip of the iceberg, right? But you're not willing to do the stuff down here. As a matter of fact, if I, if I don't even have to, 
see it, hear it, whatever, right? Then I can pretend that it doesn't exist, right? But the quickest way to get there is to generate the kind of experiences or generate negative experiences, right? Start identifying problems, run around and find them, right? So you can solve them, right? Find problems so you can solve them. And just get more and more practice at solving problems until that just becomes who and what you are. Okay, do more of that which you want to be doing, right? Anyway, um, let's see. So which are you, uh, again, not what ego wants to believe that you are, right? So again, listen to yourself, that's called insight. I don't think I have anything else. Nope, that's it. So um, James, any, any questions come in or comments come in relative to this or, or related? Even if they said I'm screwed in the head, whatever, I'm okay with those things too. Give me a chance to laugh. But anyway, <laughs> no questions, just the <clears throat> usual highs and. Hola, <laughs> if you're a Spanish speaker in Japan, and they actually have plenty, right? There's a couple of cities that uh, because uh, once once the made in Japan thing switched, because when I was very very young. Main Japan equaled junk, right? But there was this uh, switch, right, where they really got serious on quantity, on that quantity, quality, and then like everybody wanted it, right? And then like Japan's an island nation, right? So finding enough workers at a certain point is really really difficult, especially on the because they're a big college-oriented kind of country as well. Uh, you know, then you've run out of laborers and and whatnot, right? So uh, there are some there's some pretty big, um, uh, especially Latino groups in um, in Japan, big cities, right? Which also causes conflict because uh, my Latino friends like to uh, like to party and let their hair down and stuff like that after work is over, and uh, that culture conflicts with the Japanese wanting a quiet neighborhood after they get home from a hectic day at work and just wanting you know quiet, serene. That kind of thing, right? So, anyway, interesting stuff. All right, uh, I see the numbers kept going up and down and stuff while we were uh, while we were talking. So, uh, I'm okay with people uh, uh, qualifying and disqualifying themselves. So that's okay too. So no no questions, no comments, nothing like that. No. No. Interesting. You've been going through some of these processes or whatever. Um, was was the uh, and James is actually, uh, he makes the long trip. If anybody should, should, uh, decide that, uh, you know, I'm going to wait until Sensei sets up a dojo in my area, uh, it should probably be James. How, how long is your drive to the dojo? About an hour. <clears throat> you do that three times a week. So, yeah. uh, yeah. so two hours round trip. Um, and the national average is most people won't travel more than 12 and a half minutes to anything, right? So um, anyway, the average in our area, I think, is like 20 minutes one way, 20, 25 minutes one way, but you've over doubled that anyway. So you do that three times a week. Uh was twice, but you're in the instructor training program, and instead of opting to be on the virtual uh, side of that, right, you're, you're in for that as well. So um, any thoughts or, or things uh, maybe maybe they just came up during the one class when we were doing the 
solution versus versus problem oriented uh, people. Do you remember any of that stuff that came up, or do you have anything to share um, wrapped around this this kind of topic? Because you've been an instructor in other martial arts schools. Uh, obviously, you've had jobs in different places and whatnot, right? <laughs> um, what's your experience with? I know what mine is, right? What's your experience with, let's say, percentage-wise, right? With the number of one type versus the other type that you tend to bump into or have bumped into uh, in these different areas throughout your life. Not counting in the dojo because I, I think the, the percentages are way skewed uh, in the dojo. But. I mean, overall, I run into much more people that are problem-oriented and uh, focus on that heavily and look for somebody else to provide a solution, preferably one that doesn't take any <clears throat> like initiative or work from them. Um, there's a, there's a high percentage of people that just flat out avoid problems if, if at all possible, right? They just, sure. right, they, they don't, they don't jump into hobbies or activities or anything that is a challenge that they could learn and get good at. They'd rather gravitate toward things that, uh, that's already me, right? I'm making air quotes of people listening in on Apple podcasts and stuff like that. Right. Um, you know, they, instead of learning something brand new, no matter how much it's going to take to do it, right, um, it's just they just gravitate toward things that, here, here's my air quotes again, feel comfortable, right? It, what, they, what they really mean is feel easy, right? Because um, challenges, challenges require a whole lot of time, effort, resources, energy, that kind of stuff, right? And they can be disoriented, they can be disorienting, they can be confusing and all that. But yeah, it's, it's been my experience, even with friends, right? Even with friends, which, which is why my, my close group of friends is really, really small, right? I mean, outside of my peer group coming up in the art, uh, where I have way more friends then, but we were scattered all over the planet, right? Uh, my peer group of friends is, is very, very, very small because, uh, I find it difficult to, to, um, to find enough people that operate at the same wavelength. I mean, they're very friendly with lots of people and, you know, that kind of thing, right? And hang out with students and we do things at the school and all that. But, you know, we're, we're nurturing these people to become, uh, with, you know, more successful in different areas and stuff, right? Um, but I also tend to gravitate toward getting into groups that I feel like the lowest guy on the totem pole because I want to learn from these people, right? And if it's a good nurturing support group, right, then that pulls up. As a matter of fact, um, I'm going to do a meme on this, but I, I think I, I don't know if I shared it out today or not. But um, uh, Drew, our, our social media guy, posted a picture, you know, a picture of the black belts that uh, Sensei McLaurin took mm -hmm. and then we got on T-shirts and all that. Um, and he posted something like, um, you know, getting involved in a group where people want you to succeed and, and that kind of thing. Right. And, um, uh, I think what I, what I posted as a comment and I might've shared this, this out to some local groups and stuff, uh, you know, let people know how we're different. Right. Is, uh, what somebody gets when they, you know, join our school is way more than just some self-defense moves, right? They're getting, a new peer group 
a new support group that, you know, will help them be this new person, right? Um, because it's very, very difficult to do that. And again, if, if you do make progress, it's, it's a little at a time and it feels like a constant struggle, like, you know, salmon swimming upstream against the current because every time you turn around, right? There's somebody in your ear at work or maybe a, a family member or you know, whatever. I, I still have a teen stepson at home and he's, I, I catch him on a regular basis, right? Talking like all the other kids at school. And it's all this pessimistic, you know, negative self-talk and all that kind of crap, right? I, well, not self-talk because I'm God, but like the world sucks and like, you know, what's the point? And, you know, that kind of stuff, right? Um, but um, uh, the, you get the support group where everybody's working on the same things, right? And at least, you know, twice a week, right? People are in that environment where everybody's there to learn. Everybody's there, you know, and when you have a success, they're right there for your success. And if you're having a challenge, right, those who can move in, right, to help you get through that challenge as quickly as possible, and those who can't, stick their heads in because they want to see what's going on because maybe I can start making some fixes now. So I don't bump into that same thing. Cause I don't want to feel that, you know, that, that kind of crap. So, uh, it kind of all works out, but anyway, what else you got? <clears throat> well, actually, uh, mm-hmm. where'd it go? Matt Davis threw a comment in there. He's enjoying the talk. Many miss the concept of cost of opportunity. Two, what does it cost you to not do something? Example being the what you get from training versus price. We benefit far more. Yeah, I think so. But then people could see that maybe I was biased or whatever. But um, regardless of how much I've spent on things, if I think about the number of times I've saved my own life, let alone helping other people, right? What's that worth? What's somebody's life worth, right? Um, and then there's that that here's an analogy, right? And now I, I picked this up in, in a business context, but this, this is still the same. It's, it's still true. Right. Okay. So let's say that somebody, I'll share it the way I got it, but then we'll, we'll, we'll spread it out. Right. So let's say that I don't, I didn't do, or I don't do what I've been doing for a long time. Right. I don't create any programs. Right. I fall for all the negative peer pressure from all these people inside and outside the Bujinkan or whatever. Like, who the hell do you think you are? Why are you creating these programs like this? That doesn't look like the way they do it in Japan. Really? What freaking dojos do you go to? Anyway, right? You're, you're Mr. Whatever, right? And I fell for that and didn't do anything, right? Um, how many people who have benefited would not have? Where would they be? How many of these people that have benefited that have actually protected themselves or others, right? Where would they or those other people be if that person didn't get the the thing, right? And this may sound self-serving or self-grandizing or whatever, but if not me, then who? When it comes to solving a problem, right? If if not me, then who? I, what, I'm going to sit back and hope that somebody else will do it, right? It's kind of like when I was in the military, right? I would rather be on point than to be in the in the group that was falling behind, right? Not falling, following behind, right? Now, everybody believes the guy who's on point is going to get shot first in an ambush, 
But that's not true. Okay. In 99.9% .9 of ambushes, they let the point guy go through because he didn't detect anything, and then they ambush the greater thing. So I'm going to be outside the main problem area and be able to, to do things. Of course, I also have this personality type, too, where I'd rather be leading. Okay? There are lots of times, including through COVID, where I probably should have shut down the, the dojo. But I'm either too damn stupid or too damn tenacious. I pick tenacious because I know my personality, right? I'm not going to freaking do it, right? Um, and then, you know, I could go get another job somewhere else. And I'm I'm absolutely secure in myself knowing that I could do any job well. Show me how it's done. Show me what's required. I can do it, right? I, I believe that I'm smart enough and whatnot. And if I don't know how, I'll figure it out, right? I'll go find out. I'll find a mentor. Somebody will teach me, whatever, right? I could do that. What I have a problem with and again, this is not about anybody else. This is me knowing me. Know thyself, right? I know that I have a problem in a group situation where I have to abdicate my own safety, well-being, success, or whatever to everybody else's decisions, right? So for me working in a big company for somebody else. Yes, there's lots and lots of security. I get it, lots of security, right? But there's also lots and lots of businesses that have been around for decades or a hundred years or more or whatever that end up closing their doors because people that are steering make bad decisions, right? And no amount of me bitching and complaining and getting it in the news or whatever is gonna change anything about what happened, right? So it's my nature that if the ship is going down or the plane is going down, I'm steering, right? Because I know my nature and I know that I will be focusing on trying to find a solution until that damn thing hits the ground or hits the bottom of the ocean. I, I know that I will be doing that. And as long as I'm steering, I have the opportunity to, to work it out and pull it up and pull things out of, out of things, right? I'm not gonna be sitting back in third class riding out with my head between my legs, kissing my ass goodbye. It's just not part of my nature, right? I'm not saying that anybody else needs that, and I certainly understand if people need safety and all that kind of stuff, but there's always a trade-off, right? I've traded off a safety net for the freedom to move in directions that I want to move in, right? And you know the goals that I have now, right? So there's no fucking safety net. <laughs> there's right there's either do or fall short but still do more than that i'm doing right um but i i th there's a trade-off right um somebody who needs the safety net is going to trade off a whole bunch of freedom and everybody has to make their own decisions on those right and each one of those things comes with their own problems right and those problems require that you either solve them or somebody else has to solve them or you have to accept them for what they are and just decide that, you know, I'm going to have to live with it, right? Which is a solution in and of itself, right? Um, when I say you, I'm not talking to you, James, because I already know what your goals are too, so so good luck. <laughs> right? I mean, that's all we can say, right? I mean, just go, go, just go, right? Um, but either way, right? But a lot of this really takes a lot of, self-focus, which is why the first area of training 
in Nijitsu, in the Togakure school, is the Seishin Teki, right? Personal clarity, right? You can't do personal development until you do the personal clarity work because you can't get there from not here, right? I, I need to know what my baseline is. I need to know where my gaps are. I need to know where my problem areas are before I can fix them, right? Most people just want to dance around and do what feels good, and they want to ignore the stuff that feels bad, uh, and then they're going to hope that it all freaking works out. Okay? Maybe it will. Probably won't, but maybe maybe it will, right? What, what happens for most people is they hit a level where they just decide to accept things for what they are and ride it out, right? And then there are regrets. Lots and lots of regrets, right? So anyway, anything else? Oh, uh, you know, so Matt's thing. Oh, back, back to the business thing. Sorry, right? So what I was introduced to uh, with this thing was, right, if I don't get things out quickly enough or I don't get these solutions out, right? Let's say I've got somebody that's, that's you know, showing up at my door, knock, 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 right? And they're going to give me $2,000 for a program, right? Well, it's not quite perfect yet. It's not quite ready. See, the problem is uh, whenever, you know, I'm going to close the door on them, right? And so will they be back? No. They're going to go to somebody else, right? And what? Get what quality of information, right? I'm not saying that other people don't know. I'm not saying that I'm the only person out there that knows, right? But how can I help, right? It's the same thing that goes on with us in the self-defense and survival realm, right? Right. Every day, there's the potential for a problem or a danger or whatever. Saturday night, 11.30 in, at night, Joe was in bed, kicked back, ready to fall asleep. I heard this scream. By the time he got outside, the screen was gone, but he decided to look around, right? Found this girl cowering. When she saw him, she put her finger up to her mouth, right? With this pleading look in her eyes, like, please don't say anything, right? And then this boyfriend came around the corner, right? Big old knife in his hand, right? Joe said, again, you can watch the video and whatnot, but... You know, so any day, right? And if we're not ready, if we've spent all this time focusing on problems and that prevented us from getting where we needed to go or having the skills we needed to have when we needed them, just close the door on ourselves or other people. We're not prepared, right? So since we don't know when that's going to happen, we don't know what skills we're going to need, then it's our be in our best interest to make the friggin' decisions that will get them to us as quickly as possible. And yes, there's a learning curve and all that kind of stuff. But what what uh, Joe used to to handle the situation was you know, a basic posture, some de-escalation skills, and to pass on, uh, just tell, give her an instruction to do something very, very quick and made her more safe than just sitting there, right? So if things would have turned out badly for him, she wouldn't have been next on the line. This guy would have had a hard time. And that's the whole idea, right? In the very beginning of your training, get harder to hurt. You don't have to be able to do the cool techniques. Learning all those kind of things are going to take some time, right? The priority should be make, become as difficult as possible to beat, break, or kill, right? It has nothing to do with hurting the other person, right? So um, 
what's that what's that slogan we have for the for the white belts? If he can't hit me, he can't hurt me, and if he can't hurt me, he can't beat me. Right? So anyway, anything else? So Matt, that good insight. That, that was good stuff. What's the, cost? what's the cost of not acting? What's the cost of not getting your shit together? Right? What's the cost of just accepting things and recog- and just kind of and folding? I mean, that's what we're really doing. We're just kind of entering a holding pattern and just hanging out. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, Arissa asked the question: Can you be solution-oriented person and still ask for help? Yeah, that's part of being a solution-oriented person. Okay, a problem. I'm going to say this again: a problem-oriented person focuses on the problem and all the reasons something can't be done. If they do take action, maybe they're just trying to convince themselves that they're a solution-oriented person, right? It's very chaotic. They run around asking everybody that they trust or everybody within their circle of influence for help, right? But who's within your circle of influence? What have I said in the past on past episodes? Show me your five or six closest friends and I'll show you your future because you are the average. Okay. And if you're the best of those five or six people, (laughs) I don't want to see what the lowest guy is. (laughs) Right. Because, you know, um, so uh, asking people that, in, in, in my sphere of influence, they're going to be people almost identical to me. We see things the same way. We act the same way. We do things the same, right? That's what bonds us together, right? So how are those people going to give you any other suggestions or ideas outside of what you're doing or far enough outside that are going to be the thing, right? The uncomfortable thing is to go find other people. Um, and Arissa, you know, you just – Hopefully this doesn't make anybody feel uncomfortable or whatever. But Arissa told me tonight that uh, uh, when she first met me, right, she just thought I was mean, right? Just thought I was, you know, uh, unreachable. And she uses a couple of other words and all that, right? But she's too damn tenacious to quit either, right? So uh, in spite of past habit patterns, she stuck it out. And now she's in the instructor training program. She's in our Shelby Kai program, right? Um, she's one of the sticky boogers in class that I call them, right? So like her and Stan and you and, you know, people that are in class all the time, right? Um, so sometimes going to the people that, well, not sometimes, most of the time, going to the people who have the solutions that we need um, are not people that we feel comfortable around. Right. They're way more successful than we are or they their personality type. Right. Might conflict with ours, but they they hold the key. Right. Because they've already done it uh, for my Mikio students. If you look at that mandala that we always point out that has the five circles and all that. Right. If I'm in any one of those realms and the goal is not just to be centered, but the ability to shift as needed to the situations. Right. But if I'm in any one of those realms, the opposite realm, the personality types in that realm, bother the shit out of me. Here's what the problem is. (laughs) Those people hold the solution 
for the problems that I can't solve in the realm that I'm from, from that perspective that I'm in for the one that I'm attached to. Right. They irritate the crap out of me because they're the opposite of what I am. Right. But if we could look and see that they're producing results, right. They're, they hold the key. Right. So introverts, Right. Can't do certain things because they're not extroverted. Extroverted, extroverted people piss them off because they sound loud and boisterous and, and, and they're just, they're constantly talking or they're, they're getting, they're sticking their nose in things. This is from an introvert's perspective. Right. Um, they're always active. They're always doing things. I mean, just kick back, dude. I mean, you know, whatever. Right. To an extrovert, introverts like, you know, the, the stick in the mud. They're the, they're the, the wallflower. They're, you know, they're, one that just kind of hangs back and doesn't help, doesn't do anything, right? They're hard to get to know, whatever, right? But the extrovert is running around trying to do stuff out here where they need more of the introvert's self-reflection kind of stuff. The introvert to produce better results in the world and get where they want quicker need to be willing to step outside of their comfort zone and reach out and initiate conversations and meet people and discuss things and all that and bring up topics instead of waiting for shit to happen. Right. Does that make sense? Right. But people choose vocations. They choose uh, families, friends, and all that based on where they are. Right. Introverts tend to lean toward um, IT research, all that kind of stuff where basically you're going to leave me the hell alone. Right. Um, cause I'm going to be in my own little cubicle doing my thing, right? Extroverts tend to get into sales and business and, and, and things like that where they're, they're out, right? Doing things, right? Um, sports, all kinds of things, right? So, um, what we're looking for is balance, right? Cause we never know what kind of problem is going to pop up and we need to handle it, right? Anyway, uh, hopefully they handled, um, Arissa's thing. So yeah, it's, um, it's the kind of help that you ask for, right? So a, a solution-based person, both of them have problems, right? Both of them recognize a problem for what it is, but it's what they do next. The problem-based person focuses on the problem and all the reasons something can't be done. A solution-based person looks at the problem, figures out, where things are amiss, right? Because you have to know that and then figures out how to solve that thing, right? So you can't really say if I'm a problem-based person, uh, can I, or a solution-based person or whatever, can I ask for help, right? Uh, a solution-based person, if something is outside of their knowledge, they're going to admit that and they're going to go ask for help or they're going to do the research or whatever. Absolutely, right? A solution-based person is not a know-it-all. Right. Actually, the opposite is true. Okay? Solution based people recognize that they don't know everything and they surround themselves with people that are good at that thing. They, they play to their strengths. Right. Um, problem based people are actually the ones who think they know everything, including why this won't work. Right. A problem-based person will give me a fucking report, excuse my language, right, with 99 reasons that this thing won't work. I only need one reason that it'll work. I only need, I only need one. 
but they're going to take all that time and effort to come up with 99 ways or 99 reasons that this won't work or this can't be solved. All that freaking time and all that research to come up with ways to prove me wrong that could have been used, right? Imagine us living in the dark or still with candlelight because Edison stopped after the first five or ten different little filaments or whatever that he was he and his scientific team were going through to try to create the electric light bulb. How many things did they try? Ten thousand, something like that? Came down to like carbonized paper or something like that, right? And then people developed it after that and it turned into tungsten and all kinds of things, right? Part of my remembering things from science class in junior high school. <laughs> but anyway, right? So um, you know, so you gotta be careful. Some people are so good at finding and justifying problems that if you get caught up in their sphere of influence, they're they're more than willing to convince you that that it's just not it's not gonna not gonna happen. And most of us were taught by people like that. People that hit a level of acceptance, this was the knowledge, and they never checked, right? They never validated, like, mommy and daddy taught me this thing. Great. Who taught mommy and daddy? Did mommy and daddy check to make sure that that was right? Right? That, that they test the theory? Or did they bump into things once or three times as a, as a resistant teenager, and um, because they didn't know any better, whatever they tried failed. So, yep, well, they were right, right? But who taught mom and dad? Did they check? Did they validate it? Who taught them? Did they validate it? Right? What has changed since the first person who came up with that? Right? Um, Problem-oriented people tend to look for hard, fast answers. And whatever that is, that's, that's it. Right? Because it's quick and it's easy. Solution-based people get really, really good at asking the right questions. And if that question doesn't produce a satisfactory answer or a solution, then they're going to ask what's, okay? Like, if I develop a plan, okay? If I develop a plan and a problem-based person develops a plan to get someplace, the first time this plan doesn't work or things have a glitch for a problem-based person, they're going to fold and flat out say, it didn't, I tried that. It didn't work. If I develop a plan, James, you've been helping me for a long time. How many plans have I come up with? <laughs> hmm. And I'm here to tell everybody that they fail more often than they succeed. Or they don't produce the results as fast as I would like. And so, but what do I do? Tweak the plan hmm. or go find out what I was missing to redevelop mm -hmm. the plan. Yes? yes? Because the goal is still worthwhile, right? It's just completely different, right? A problem-based person, uh, I was married to one one time. <laughs> this person would spend, Jesus Christ, it would spend a week or a month developing a plan. All the T's were crossed. All the I's were dotted, right? It's got to be this way, da-da-da, right? As soon as the first obstacle popped up, she folded and decided that it's never going to happen. And me, I'm just the opposite. I'll have a more vague plan. And as soon as obstacles pop up, 
I will either go over it, around it, through it, under it, or I'll wait until it passes by and I'll keep on going. Right? You've been with me for a long time. Is that not true? Yes, absolutely. It's just, it's a, it's a mindset, right? It's not that the problem exists or doesn't exist. It's not that it's not to the degree that it is, right? Now we can't exacerbate the problem, right? It's nothing like rubbing salt in a wound to prove that it hurts, right? <laughs> that, that really hurts when I touch it. Well, stop fucking touching it, right? <laughs> does it hurt as much when you don't touch it? Well, it still hurts. That's not what I asked. Does it still, does it hurt as much when you don't touch it? You see, now you're thinking about it. And we've, it's already been proven that your brain will make something hurt or be worse the more you dwell on it, looking for it to be that thing. Remember what I said at the very beginning? Hatsumi Sensei and my Mikyo teacher said the same thing. Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Because your thoughts, words, and actions preceding that belief, view, or perspective will all justify the belief you were perspective. Okay. If you are truly training to be a ninja, then you have no choice. And I know we live in an age where everybody's free to have whatever choice. Well, but if you're choosing to not be a solution oriented person, then you are simultaneously choosing to not be a ninja, which I think is why most people do Budo Tajutsu because then they don't have to play the same game. Right. It's like for a lot of people that choose to be atheist, right? I'm agnostic, right? Which means I'm smart enough to not say that I believe something that I can't possibly know in this form, right? And that's going to ruffle a whole bunch of people's feathers just in and of itself, and I don't care, right? But a lot of people choose being an atheist. Um, they don't know any more than I do, right? But, see, now they don't have any moral or ethical guidelines where they might get bitten in the ass or a lightning bolt shoved up there, you know, whatever, um, by making certain decisions. They just figure that they're free to do more things and there's nothing uh, to, to kind of play in there. And regardless of whether there's a higher being or not, right? Karma's a bitch, right? And karma doesn't care, right? And it's not luck or fate or whatever. Karma, the word karma itself just, it just translates to mean action and it implies cause and effect. You make certain decisions, they produce very specific causes, consequences, or effects. You make other ones, they produce something different, right? So it is what it is, right? And it's comfortable to sit back and just, you know, cut. And, and we develop this with a teenage mind, right? The, the, the child mind, right, is inquisitive, right? Because it wants to know. We're driven to know, Right? But as soon as it knows something, it tends to get fixed because that's the thing. My two-year-old grandson does this, right? Um, you know, that's uh, somebody goes to sit in a chair or my the dog jumps up in my chair or whatever, right? Oh, grandpa's chair. That's grandpa's chair. Get up. Actually, it's a chair that Grammy and Grandpa both own, and it's in my house, and anybody can sit there. But that's the place where he and I sit when it's almost nap time, and he wants to, you know, we're going to watch something so that, he passes out and gives Grammy and Grandpa a break, right? <laughs> but it's, you know, and we've identified it as Grandpa's chair, but he has this thing, right? But you keep going through that in childhood, and then you hit the adolescent years. And adolescents, they they so want to be an adult because there's that drive now to not 
just know to be in control, right? To have freedom and be in control. So they confuse the fact that they have one or two answers for every common thing that happens in their life. They confuse that with knowing everything or knowing how the world works or whatever, right? And then they become an adult, but they still carry this along, right? And the same kind of mentality grabs new things. Okay, that worked, that didn't work. So that always works and that doesn't, right? And then they, they pick and choose as they go along. Um, but the mature mind uh, gets really, really good at assessing. It gets really good at weighing um, uh, consequences and, and results and, and things like that. But it's also focused on specific goals, not just like the teenager, right? I just want to be left alone to do whatever I feel like doing, right? Because they're still led by feeling. The discernment part of their brain hasn't even grown and won't until somewhere. It used to be between ages 18 and 22, but they think now it is actually between 18 and 28, right? For that part of the brain to actually grow and then get switched on. And the discernment part of the brain is that part that really knows what's right and wrong based on uh, more than just feel good, feel bad, right? Without that function and the ability to delay gratification and all kinds of uh, like uh, uh, scheduling and knowing I can get back to something or whatever, right? We're led by uh, the attraction repulsion kind of thing that uh, Miko teaches from base base level, right? So I'm always going to go do and be attracted and or I'm going to go and do and, and, lean toward things that feel good, right? And I'm going to avoid things that feel bad, right? So if left to that mind and not the mature mind, right? Um, people would never get, they would never take medicine because it tastes nasty, right? They wouldn't get, uh, you know, a shot of penicillin or whatever because, uh, you know, that hurts, right? They would never learn self-defense because the process is uncomfortable, that kind of thing, right? They just wouldn't do it, okay? But we have to get past that so that we can truly understand um, what it takes to get to certain things. And that's why we have wisdom statements like nothing worth having, nothing valuable worth having comes easy, right? Sugar-based medicines that taste good rarely, if ever, do anything. They make you feel good because you took something but you're going to keep taking that until the until the bacteria or the viral infection mutates or changes or whatever of its of its own accord, or your your white blood cells take care of things or whatever, right? It's just you know. But then we can confuse that with well, the medicine worked. Okay? Yeah, but this other stuff like it's guaranteed to work in like 24 to 48 hours. Yeah, but it tastes nasty, and I'm not I'm not taking that stuff. Okay, well then suffer for a week and a half or three months or whatever, right? Yeah, but I'm taking medicine and it seems to be helping. Okay, well, if it's helping, then why the hell are you still laying around in bed like you had been when you were almost dying? If it's helping, you should be more mobile. But I'm sick, yeah? I go to work sick all the time. I can be sick laying in my bed or I can be sick on these things or at the office or whatever and be producing results. And you know what? When I'm busy, 
don't have time to think about being sick. <laughs> don't. <laughs> I don't have time. Okay. Uh, I'm doing intermittent fasting now. You know what really helps with intermittent fasting? Working. I'm working, got a drink next to me or whatever, right? Because that's zero calorie and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, because I know my nature. And when I'm really, really busy, I skip meals because I forgot, right? So that's the easiest thing. Everybody wants the, well, what can I do, right? Add more fat to my meals that'll make it last. Work. Keep yourself busy. Find something that you'll get lost in. Okay? You'll forget to eat. Okay? Unless your last meal was candy and then you hit the freaking wall and then your insulin goes and, and triggers the hunger thing and your ghrelin fires and all that kind of stuff, right? And then, oh, I'm hungry. Yeah, I know. Get even busier during those times and then those hormones will wash and the hunger triggers will go away and you just keep on going, right? If you were going to die because you missed a meal, there'd be a whole lot of people freaking, I'd be dead. I'd have been dead a long time ago, right? It just <laughs> doesn't work that way, right? You can survive longer without food than you can without water. And you can survive longer without water than you can without air. So just keep breathing and keep some water near you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right. Any, anything else come in? Uh Jen wants to know what you think of the statement, don't bring me a problem unless you have a, also have a solution. Hmm. Uh, that came up in the, in the, uh, instructor training program too. Right, James? Okay. Mm -hmm. We have a system at the academy. Okay. Um, I hate suggestion boxes. Not because I hate suggestions. I hate suggestion boxes because most suggestions that are tossed into suggestion boxes are done by people who have a problem. They don't like the way things are done. They want it done their way. They toss, they toss something in. Or it's tossed in by somebody who has a better idea, but they don't know about the like what the process is like for a company or a group or an organization or whatever to make changes. So my thing is um, I'm okay with suggestions. I just don't have a suggestion box because people also resent things because if they drop something in, and let's say it's about, like, we should do this to new students, right? Um, but we just started something new, like whether it's a social media campaign or whatever, right? And so I always give things minimum three months to create a baseline to see how we're doing, right? But they pop that thing in there, and I may even pull it out and go, that's a really good idea. But we just started this, so let's put this in the to-do file, right? What's going to happen three months from now when I pull that out and decide to do it? One, the person may have forgotten that they did it, or in that three-month interim, they're going to hate me because, well, see, you don't, like, you don't like suggestions anyway. Or three months from now when I pull it out and I do it, they're going to forget that maybe I explained something to them or whatever. And now what they're going to think is, oh, when I gave the suggestion, you didn't do anything. Now your idea, right, so you think it's, yeah, this was your idea. Right. Okay. Um, when people bring a uh, uh, suggestion to me, one, they have to have done some background uh, research so that I don't have to. If I have to start from scratch and do everything, guess what? I'm not now able to do all the projects that I was working on. Okay. 
And two, they have to show where there will be a, an improvement of at least 25% in savings, in, uh, in, in productivity, in whatever it is, for that to be worthwhile. Because if they don't, the process itself will eat up anything less than that. And that's just, that's, that's just the way things work. Okay. But people don't think that way. Their job ends with dropping the suggestion. See, they don't care what else it takes as long as that happens. Okay. So, uh, read the, read the, the, the question one more time, uh, cause I want to make sure I answer it specifically. What do you think of the statement? Don't bring me a problem unless you also have a solution. Yeah, I have a problem with that completely because um, somebody who's bringing a problem is probably bringing a problem because they don't know how to fix it. So I'm kind of on the fence about that one, right? When somebody brings me a problem, one of the first questions I ask is, what have you done um, so far to try to solve it? That's my, that's my first thing because I want to know where they are in their head about it. Now, if they just brought it to me, and they want me to fix it, but they haven't done anything about it. I have a problem with that. Okay. But then my teacher said, so had the same problem where if a question was asked about a certain area of training and we didn't do any, any research at all, we were just looking to be spoon fed. Here's a question. You give me an answer. I'll memorize the answer. Now I can sound like I know what I'm talking about, but I actually haven't done the research or the trial and error or whatever. I've run the process, right? That's a different kind of shortcut. That's, that's not, no. Okay. So uh, I always ask, right? Just like if, if somebody calls the dojo, right? And they're looking for martial arts programs. And in the, in the course of the conversation, they say, they ask, do you spar? Okay. Now, most people would just answer that outright, right? If their martial arts system uh, included sparring, they would say yes, right? If it doesn't or it doesn't in the way that most people do, they're going to say no, or they're going to say, uh, well, uh, could be yes, could be no, depending on, uh, you know, what, and they're going to go into this long diatribe, right? Um, all three of them are a crapshoot because whether it's yes, no, whatever, what piece of information am I missing? What am I missing, James? Where they're at in their own head about sparring. Do you want to spar? Okay. So it's called a locator question. I need to know where they are in their head because I don't know what the intent was before the question. Maybe the guy took a class before, got thrown into sparring too soon, got hurt and couldn't work for a week and a half and couldn't support his family. I need to know if that guy was a former, you know, MMA champion or whatever, and 90% of his prior training was sparring and he just absolutely loves kicking people at full speed, whatever. I, I don't know where he is. Right. And that long diatribe without knowing is pointless. It can actually, it can actually confuse people. So, and a confused mind always says what? What's it say? No. James? no. Confused mind always says no. Right? Even if it's, I don't know enough to make a decision now, either way, it's no. Temporarily or permanently, it's no. Okay? Not my belief system. Okay? These are all based on scientific things, right? So, um, 
So I'm not I'm I'm not a big fan of absolutes like don't bring me a problem unless you're also bringing a solution, whatever. I mean, can you imagine looking at a three year old, right? I can't open the bottle. I got a problem. I'm not going to say I got a problem. Can't open the bottle. Well, dude, I guess you're going to need to figure that out. <laughs> right? So <laughs> my car is making a ticking noise, right? Uh, what's your solution? Well, if I had one, I wouldn't be asking you, right? Now, hopefully they're old enough to have known that uh, they should be taking it to a mechanic, but maybe they're asking you because they think you know something that they don't. But again, this goes back to the same problem that, that I talked to Arissa about, um, where people are asking the wrong people to help with solutions or to mentor them or give them advice and, and things like that, right? Um, and that goes right back to people with advice, people asking for advice, problem, problem oriented people, right? Typically ask for advice so they have somebody else to blame when that advice didn't work. The great thing about being in charge, about being a real leader, about being a solution-oriented person, is you can ask for advice from 100 people and not take one piece of it because you're looking for options and perspectives. Ultimately, I have to make the decision. Okay? I know a lot of people that when people come to them and ask for advice and they give it, and then the person who doesn't do it, right, that ask doesn't do it, this person gets upset because, well, if you, why bother asking for advice if you're not going to do it? Ask for advice. Ask for perspective, right? I didn't ask for you to tell me or command me to do something. But that's how they take it, right? Well, I, I told you what to do. I didn't come to you to ask you to tell me what to do. Ask for a perspective. Ask for options. Right? So you have people on both sides, right? So there's this weird-ass mental game that's going on, and it's just convoluting the whole problem. Okay? So part of being a solution-based person is recognizing that you can ask for advice from 100 people and not have to take any of it. Okay? That you're still ultimately responsible for the actions you take. For problem-oriented people, that becomes a whole other problem. And it absolutely immobilizes them uh, or creates a, 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 a state of fear, right? Fear-induced immobilization. Right? Strange stuff. All right. Uh, I've got time for one more if anybody else has one. If not, um, anything else? Uh no other questions. Matt just said in regards to Jen's question that he thought that that statement is more about trying to get people out of the complainer mentality and into a problem solving mentality. If you come with a problem and an idea for a solution, we can dialogue on how to implement. Okay. Maybe. Maybe. But it also opens the door to inviting people who are going to bring problems for you to solve. They're looking for a Messiah, right? I'm going to bring you problems. You're going to wave a magic wand and fix it for me, okay? So the solution-oriented person should first ask and will first ask, what have you done so far? Um, one of the things that I do in on, on the floor, right, um, somebody will say, hey, since I'm having a problem with this, right, um, 
Now, if somebody says, can you watch what I'm doing? That's easy, right? Oh, sure, I can watch what you're doing, right? Uh, but what a lot of instructors do is they'll go over and the student says, I'm having a problem with this, right? Can you show me again? And the teacher will demonstrate it again another three, four, or five times or whatever, right? And then uh, watch the student do their thing or, or show it and then go, you understand? Good. And then walk away, go help somebody else. They didn't really help, right? So as long as I know that the student has a handle on the basic pieces, what's the first thing I ask, James? Show me what you're doing. Show me what you're doing. Instead of me jumping in and making an assumption and showing you again, I just demonstrated the damn thing five times, 15 times, or whatever. If you're still having a problem, then there's something you've obviously missed, or there's something you think you're doing that you're not, or that you're not supposed to do, but you should, whatever, right? So before I'm going to offer anything, I'm going to ask, show me what you're doing, Okay. So I don't, I don't, and I'm not on the fence about it. I need to be able to read people. Okay. So I need to know where people are. Now, after somebody's come to me, you know, five times in a row with no possible solution or whatever, I, I kind of pick up on the fact that they just want me to answer it for them so that they can, you know, ego can feel all warm and fuzzy. They have an answer now and then go about their business. Right. Um, and I understand, I understand where Matt's coming from too, that, you know, there's, there's the intent behind, right? The intent behind things, right? What's that old saying? The road to hell is paved uh, with good intentions. Okay. Just because something's put in place to nurture something doesn't mean it does. And a lot of these things open up the gateway to having freeloaders, come in to have things done for them, okay? As soon as those people realize that I'm going to say, what have you had, what what solutions have you come up uh, with so far? Okay, well, I didn't really think about it. I was just hoping you could, I'm in the middle of my own project right now, okay? This is not a priority for me. What I suggest is that you spend a little bit of time, you come back with at least one potential solution, and then we can talk about it. I do that a couple of times. They're either going to get the gist and they're going to become that person that Matt's talking about, or they're not going to come back anymore, or they're going to go away because they're looking for somebody else to do the work. And I have to very, very quickly, if I'm a solution-oriented person, I have to very, very, very quickly weed out the qualified from the disqualified when it comes to potential students or clients or whatever, right? And like right now with this instructor training program, I have lucked out this time around, right? I've got 10 people enrolled and it. One keeps getting deployed. It's not his fault. He's doing long distance study and stuff, right? So the nine people that are active are highly active. We're halfway through it and they're still highly active and coming with ideas and all kinds of stuff, right? It's just, it's phenomenal, right? So, um, but because of my goals and what I'm doing, I have to set things up in a way that very, 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 very quickly weeds out those who will be anchors or energy vampires or problem creators and very, very quickly identify and nurture solution-based people so that that's what's happening, right? Um, 
because that's that's what I need to accomplish my goals. And I need people on board that are, you know what, let me read one of my, what do I have, 19 affirmations? <clears throat> because there's, there's one of my affirmations is wrapped around this type of people. Uh, all I did was take my major vision and break it down. So, that's one and it's close, but that's not the one I'm looking at. I love being surrounded by a global team of engaged and empowered go-getters who want the same kind of life for themselves that I enjoy. Team members and partners who have high standards, are self-motivated, and who have big, bold dreams, earning a boatload of money themselves in the process. Money aside, right, I need people that are that thing. They're self-driven. They're motivated. They've got big goals for themselves. They're not just, well, you know, as long as I'm getting by and have a little extra money to go out on Friday and Saturday night, get shit-faced and, you know, pretend I'm having a good time. Um, it's all good. I don't have time for that. Okay? Those people, they can live their own lives, and, and I'm happy for them. Do, do you, right? Joe would be laughing right now. You do you. <laughs> Inside joke. But anyway, um, I'm okay with people being them. If that's what you choose to do, do that thing and be the best that you can be. Right? But for where I am and what I'm doing, I need a team, a team of people with very, very, very specific personality traits. And I don't have time to teach people how to be that kind of person or to you know, to engage with them in the, a personal development kind of thing to get them there. To, you know, that's called a student, right? Now, a lot of these people are students, but they already came packaged with that kind of personality type, right? Or with enough drive that they're going to make it or they're going to die trying. I'm good with that. I'm good with that. But I'm not going to take somebody who's a problem-oriented person and who's a pessimist and who has accepted their lot and is willing to do just enough to get by and that's good enough for them and put them into a position that's going to steer, it's supposed to steer things toward my dream that is half my brain is going, how the fuck are we going to do that? Okay. The answer is, well, I, I know more about how I'm going to do that than I did when I set the goal what was that January 16th or something like that, right? Um, I know more about how I'm going to make that happen now than I did then. But that's all based on me just knowing knowing me. And that part of knowing me is I will figure it out. So I think sometimes these statements and these intentions make assumptions or are operating on a hope and a prayer that because we frame something a certain way or use the certain type of language or whatever, that's going to bring other people on board. When the reality in most businesses, most organizations, and most groups is that the problem is not in the training. The problem is in the hiring. The hiring process sucks at weeding out the wrong type of people and allows people in that shouldn't be in. Because the hiring process is all based on skill sets and not on personality type. I can train skills. I can't train personality type. But that's my take. Okay? If somebody else wants to risk everything that they've built, 
plus some, because those of us who are putting all this stuff together are risking more than just success or failure. We're risking everything we own. We're risking potential breakup of families. We're risking, right, private property, all that kind of, we're, some days we're risking sanity, <laughs> right? But that's the risk for not just kind of taking the safe route. But that's okay, too, because we need people that are taking the safe route. I just can't risk that stuff based on bringing the wrong type of personality types around me. That's called the academy. People that want to be different, they want to learn, and they know it's going to take time and all that. Great. That's that's great. That's fantastic. But if you're not at a certain level right now, you can't help me get to a point where I'm, you know, we're all helping each other kind of thing. It's just, and I get it. People, people have their beliefs about how things work and all that. And they would like to believe that it's all unicorns and rainbows and things like that. But I don't have that luxury. And from my experience, most highly, highly, highly successful people don't have the luxury. Joe didn't have that luxury on Saturday night. He was either all in dealing with somebody who was like way big, muscular, and enraged with a knife. He was either all in or he shouldn't have been there. Hoping for the best. Right? Because I believe that most of what shut this other guy down or stalled him was Joe's commitment and a look in his eyes. Right. So anyway. All right. We need to wrap this up because I talk too damn much. So, uh, all right. So let's do this. I'm going to end this a little bit differently than I did before. Um, I've been contacted here recently by some folks that want to do some extra work with me and all that. All right. So, um, I don't just say yay or nay. I don't just send out a link to a program you can sign up for or whatever. Uh, we need to have a conversation. Because I need to make sure that we're a good fit. You need to make sure we're a good fit, right? So if it is something you want to take a look at, uh, that's fine. Uh, you, what you can do is shoot an email to me at Warrior C. That's W-A-R-R-I-O-R and the letter C. I, should, I, I need to stop spelling that, especially when people are going to be <laughs> engaging at high level in, in programs and all that, right? Um, anyway, Warrior C at Warrior-Concepts with an S. Uh, online.com. So warrior C at warrior dash concepts dash online.com in the subject line, right? Put call request. I'll send a confirmation. I'm going to ask you some questions and all that that I'm going to want some feedback on. If everything works at that level. We'll set up a call and chat about what it is that you've done, what you're looking for and all that. And again, if it seems like a good fit and all that, then, uh, you know, we can talk about, uh, what I have available and, and what might, what might work for you. Okay. So if that'll work, then, Great. Uh, and if not, no harm, no foul. Either way, I will see everybody again next Monday. James, thanks a lot for your help again. I appreciate it. I'm going to wrap this up, and I will talk to everybody again next time. Get more of Kuda and Radio. Subscribe to your favorite podcasting site or subscribe at ModernNinjaWarrior.com.